Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. All right, so the Tampa Bay Lightning down two games to none at home, trailing two to nothing. Didn't look like it was uh, going their way. I mean, this series was all but over, and then they rally score the next three goals. The game winner, 41.6 seconds by Andre Palat, who has a knack of coming up big in the postseason with game winners. The Lightning are alive. They're alive, Steve Versnick. It's a 2-1 series now. Um, We've got, what, game four coming up here on uh, Tuesdays. We're going to break down the Lightning's win, but first uh, I want to tell you about our folks at Air Rescue. Don't suffer this summer with an old AC system, please. I've done it. It's a bad idea. Call the experts at Air Rescue. Air Rescue offers superior service at unbeatable prices. Your unit will perform 30% better and last longer with regular maintenance by Air Rescue. Their award-winning team delivers 24 hours emergency service 24-7. You get 100% satisfaction guaranteed. Residential installation and repairs It's family-owned with over 75 years in the business. Air Rescue offers 100% financing, affordable payments, and very easy application prices. No administration, bank fees, no extra costs with financing. They've got it all right there for you. Call 813-612-5600 or go to airrescueflorida.com for the air conditioning experts. Air Rescue. Listen, I I was watching this game, and, and of course, the penalties did them in. Uh, the power plays were tough. They did uh, manage to uh, kill off a four-minute power play, which uh, you know had a little help because they drew a penalty in there too, uh, which I thought was a turning point in a way of this game. But the, for all the things that the Lightning have done these last couple of years, they had to dig, I think, deeper uh, to, to win this game than they have in the previous games, although people mentioned Toronto – trailing in game six uh, in that one, and they came back to win, of course, forced game seven and, and, and won the series. But this was this was a real tester, and they did a lot of good things we're going to talk about, but um, this showed as much character as they've shown over the last couple of years. I would agree. I mean, I think the Toronto one was, a you know, obviously that was an elimination game. Sure. They were down a goal going into the third period in a mm-hmm. game that if they lose, they're out. Right, and they came right. back and won. Obviously, this game was not an elimination game. Had you lost it, odds are slim oh, you're going to win the series. But yeah. you're still alive. There's still a game four on Tuesday night, regardless. But I thought the Lightning played very well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they give up two power play goals to a really good power play. Yeah. Um, you know, the the Rangers what were one for six in the series coming in, but they were thirty percent in the playoffs as far as power play. So they they go what two for five today. Mm-hmm. in the power play. But the Lightning came out with a shoot-first mentality. Uh, you know, I was we were talking before we started. The Lightning had more shot attempts or, or shots on goal than the Rangers had shot attempts. Mm. 52 to 51. And, and the Lightning had, what, 86 or something shots on uh, shot attempts. Uh, the Lightning were aggressive. 
They were forechecking. They were dumping the puck behind the Rangers and making them go get it. Yep. And if they keep doing that in this series, it's going to. I think it will pay dividends. Don't forget the Rangers have played 17 playoff games already. Mm-hmm. They went seven games in both their first two series. Right. If you make them work for it, you make them chase the puck, you keep dumping it behind them and make them go 200 feet when they get the puck, how much legs do they have left? Right. How t- I mean, we talk about the rest benefit for the Lightning, and maybe there was some rust for it in the first game, maybe even the second. Right. But at some point, the lack of rest should catch up to New York if you're forcing them to skate all over the ice, to go 200 feet every time they get the puck. And right. the Lightning did a lot of that in Game 3. Yeah. And, and as the longer the series goes, I think that's when that rest will, will, will really pay off because, um, as you mentioned, they've had a couple of long series already. The Lightning had that long break off themselves, so their legs should really it should be able to take advantage of that as, as the series goes on. Um, you know, I... The Lightning obviously came out and, and, and played better. Although the first period, you know, the Rangers took all their shots and, and actually I think I think Andre Vasilevsky showed up the way he had been uh, in big games before. Uh, he made some saves in that first period that they could have easily gone down, you know, with that. The impressive thing, and the Lightning figured this out, uh, is that, especially in this game, five on five, they were pretty dominant. As you just mentioned, the shots. Mm-hmm. Um, it was trying to stay out of the penalty box. And I think that's what they realized even down 2-0 is that, look, if we don't give them, you know, power play chances, we, we're, gonna, we're getting a lot of, a lot of pucks to that. We're going we're gonna to make something happen here. And that's kind of what they did. Um, the penalties they got, you know, obviously a couple of high sticks um, by Kucherov, one of four minute. Um, those were <laughs> not going to be hitting his highlight reel. Um, but then the running into the goaltenders, you know, I thought it was interesting after the game, apparently uh, the Rangers coach made mention that he felt that they did this almost as a game plan, but then Cooper shot back on that one and said, listen, I assure you, we're not trying to run into the goaltender, much less with a guy that hasn't played in a month and a half, you know, but there's a little gamesmanship going on about, you know, the lightning trying to, trying to make contact with or bully or, or, you know, that create some problems, obviously, for Igor Shosturkin, which which you want to do. You want to be in front of him. You want to cut down mm-hmm. on his on his sight. But um, they took it another level and took it to mean that like they wanted the Lightning wanted to rough him up somehow. No, I think the Lightning wanted to attack him, not physically. Yeah, yeah. going to the net, going you know, quit quit circling around the perimeter. You know, mm-hmm. go go towards the net and and. They got called for two goalie interference penalties. One was called a slash, but I'll call goalie interference. And they were penalties. Both of them were penalties. They were called. Right. You know, I don't. And and boy, what an acting job by Igor Shosturkin on. Well, and that's the the, the, the lightning bench erupted at that. That was embellishment (laughs) if you've ever seen one. Well, he tapped in a face mask and he went down like he was hit with a you know, with a sledgehammer or something. The guy takes 95-mile-an-hour slap shots off the mask and doesn't move and then does that. I, I mean, and granted, I'm not, I don't like the embellishment penalty. To yeah. me, an embellishment penalty is when there wasn't a penalty and you're trying to draw one. I never right, liked right. the, a penalty was committed, but you you fell down too hard, so too we're going yeah. to even up the penalty. I'm like, no, the penalty was committed. Right. To, me, to me, embellishment is, you know. You fake it. Yeah, or, you know, they, they tapped you on the, 
the face mask and there's no yeah. penalty or you know they tap you on the there's say, no very side little contact and you yeah. go down trying to draw a penalty that's embellishment to me and that's not right. what the NHL does they use it to even up penalties which I'm like that's dumb but yeah I mean no the the Lightning if you look back in their tra- they never they're never trying to hurt goalies but when they're playing not their best moments, no yeah. but when they're playing their best they're attacking towards the net right and and that's what they're doing. And and you know, I mean, they got a goalie interference penalty on Vasilevsky as well. Yeah, by, they did by Vitrano. Now mm-hmm. that one, you, you know, what's what was he to do? To be honest, I mean, McDonough's engaging him. You know, that one's kind of an iffy penalty to me. To be honest, you know, I mean, the defender's kind of pushing into the goalie. What are you supposed to do at that point? But they yeah, were consistent in calling it in both ways. So that's and which is always what you want from the officials. Consistency. You want them to protect the goaltenders. Yeah. Yeah, and that's really what they're doing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and and you know, we've said this, and, and it's it's evidenced by the way the series has gone, and also during the regular season, the, the New York Rangers are a really really good team. Mm-hmm. Um, but to your point, you know, their best line uh, was more or less neutralized. I thought um, they did get a goal, but like I, I just felt like five on five. The Lightning did a better job. And let's talk about Nikita Kucherov, who, despite his penalties, which could have actually been fatal, um, but they weren't, thanks to the penalty kill, which you know starts with, obviously, the goaltender. Um, but he was phenomenal. And in addition to a goal, we can get into you know his final play to Andre Palat. How many players make that play in that situation uh, a, a, a virtual, not quite, but he saw him, but a virtual no-look pass uh, to Palat for the game winner. And and we'll talk about Palat here in a minute too. But the plays that Kucherov makes, very few, I think, players in the NHL can make those type of plays. He sees the game so different than most players. Yeah. It, it's – it's a it's a skill set that is unique, and John Cooper's talked about this. He's different than anyone you'll ever see, mm-hmm. and it's unique, and it's it's inspiring, and it's beautiful, and it's maddening at the same time. <laughs> it can be because he yeah. will he will try to make some passes where you're going, "What are you doing?" And he'll turn it over. Yeah, and it gets yeah. turned over in bad times, and and then, right. but that's all part of the the genius the genius of, of Nikita Kutra. That's a good way to put it. I mean, it's. Mm-hmm. It sees he sees the game differently, and he creates a you know perfect backhand pass off the wall with five seconds left to Ross Colton to right. win a game, right? Or the pass he made to Andre Palat. You see, Mika Zibanejad is covering Palat, and when and Kucherov gets the pass, he's got him so discombobulated and turned around that Palat's wide open all of a sudden. Yeah, he thinks he's going to shoot it, which most because, people thought at that point he was just going to wheel around and try to get it on net. Because there's at most a handful of guys in the NHL that could have made that pass at most. <laughs> Right and seen that and you know it's 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 beautiful and it won you a game tonight mm-hmm. and although you know there were some turnovers in that game and some passes you're going what are you doing Cooch you can't yeah. make that pass and, and and a couple of high sticks I mean he didn't right. have a, a a perfect game no you know and the high stick the high sticks sometimes happen I mean that's not you know those are those are penalties where you're trying to make a play and the stick gets up and and you know I mean those aren't. Those or can be lazy penalties defense, at times. They sometimes know. can be lazy penalties. I don't know if Kucherov were lazy as much. I followed a turnover, so like you know, I think he was trying to get back, you know, mm-hmm. into the. Into, well, he's trying you know, to disrupt. Back, he's back trying to check him. Yeah, he's yeah. trying to disrupt. Just a minute, Jad, and it, the stick got up in the face. I mean that. Right. 
Those happen sometimes. But, you know, I, I just I thought the Lightning, I thought Nick Paul was fantastic. He was really good, yeah. Um, on the, I mean, you can point to the penalty kill and some of the, you know, going down the ice, but the whole game. I thought the sorelli Kalorn hagel line mm. was phenomenal. Very good. I mean, mm-hmm. they didn't score again, and it's hard to believe Alex Kalorn does not have a goal this playoffs. Well, they had a lot of shots, though. I think together they had like 19 shots. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, the fact he doesn't have a goal, which, you know, he's so known in the playoffs for having tremendous right. scoring in the playoffs. But that drew line, a penalty. Drew yeah. a penalty, mm-hmm. though. Yes. That mm-hmm. line is, is, is set up. It, they're not looking for it to score. I mean, they'd love to get scoring. Don't get me wrong. But it's, right. it's really a defensive line. And they were in the offensive zone all night. Mm-hmm. They were forechecking and driving play and just the Rangers could do nothing when those guys were on the ice, it felt like. It just right. felt like they were constantly going in the offensive zone. I thought that right. line was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, that offensive zone time was key, and that's what they didn't have in the first you know couple of games, I thought, um, you know, back in New York because they, they just mm-hmm. didn't spend a lot of time down there. They got the pucks deep. Um, you know, they kept it in their zone. They got a lot of shots on net, obviously. They put a lot of pressure on Igor. Uh, he he was fantastic again. Um, you you you've got to beat them with with tremendous shots, and they did mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you go back and look at the goals they had, man, they were all, you know, uh, great shots. And and then you know, even Palat's game winner. Well, I mean, um, four of the four of the five goals scored tonight were power play goals. I mean, exactly. both, both goalies. There was one five on five goal given up in this. And game. that was Palat's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, in the last That's, minute. Yeah, so I mean, a lot of one timers and things like that were going down, and and that happens in 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 power play situations. You know, Pilat is a guy that, and I didn't, you know, color me stupid. You you kind of you kind of forget how long uh, he has been around, and it it mm-hmm. seems like, as John Romano wrote in the Tampa Bay Times, great column uh, by John, you can read it on TampaBay dot com. It seems like he has been here uh, forever because he has been here forever. <laughs> he was part uh, of the triplets line. I mean, he came up with yeah. Tyler Johnson and Nikita Kucherov, and, right? You know, at that same time with that group. And, you know, Tyler has moved on now. Most likely, Andre's going to move on at the end of this season. Yeah, he's 31. Mm-hmm. But based on his salary, if he's going to, if he wants to make close to what he's making now, which sure. is, I think, like $5.3 million, 5.4, somewhere in that range, sure. Lightning aren't going to be able to afford him with the salary cap. No, and I don't so think so. Most likely, this is his last go with this group. Right. But, but boy, has he been a huge part of this group. And it's one that you don't usually talk about. It's not the first name off your. No. Not the first couple names, but how key has he been to this group for years? Well, and Steven Stamkos, I thought, you know, called him he called him Mr. Reliable. I think that's a, a good phrase or a good term for him. Um as John wrote, you know, he he Plot has never been uh in the all star game. He's never scored twenty five goals in a season. And and surely, you know, if you were just gonna list, you know, the known players um, from top to bottom on this Lightning team, you, you know, you'd go with Stamkos and Hedman and Vasilevsky and maybe Braden Point, and you know, you might even get—I don't know—you might even get to Alex Kalorn, Kucherov, Kalorn, Kucherov for sure, McDonough. Right. I mean, there there are bigger names, there are bigger stars, and that's the whole point. And maybe um, there's not a a guy who has, you know, had a continuous bigger impact on 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 the big games than Palat. He just he kind of shows up in the minute. To that point, um, I believe he he set like the franchise record. I think you know officially, this was like 
his he broke uh, Tyler Johnson's record for for winning goals in the postseason with ten. Now consider too that that includes it's kind of a weird stat because it includes any goal that makes the difference in the final score, right? So yeah, it's, uh, if, if you win half five a dozen to two, those, you win five yeah. to two. The third goal is the game winning. Sure. Goal. So there's like half a, half a dozen of those, but it doesn't mean that he hasn't had you know huge moments um, going all the way back. You know. 2016, um, there was a tie game against Detroit. He had a game winner. Uh, the breakaway goal, eight minutes left, game four of the conference final against the Islanders in 2020. Um, the biggest one that, as John noted, um, before to, before yesterday was in the Bruins game two of the second round in 2020. Um, so he's had these these moments and he he's really kind of, I mean what can you say he's not really underrated if you're talking about him but uh for him to be in that spot and and I think if you play with Kucherov you have to always be alert that that it might end up on your stick but that was not an easy shot it was not an easy goal but what a what a time you know cuz if that game goes into overtime it's a toss up you know what i mean i mean anything can happen in overtime you you know it's sudden death that sort of thing, and of course, it turned out to be sudden death for for the Rangers. But they're back in the series now, and it's, it's hard to do. I mean, I I think I was looking at a stat, Steve. I might be wrong about this. You can correct me if I am. That for teams that go down two zero in in the playoffs, and maybe this is just for conference finals, but I think there's only like a fifteen sixteen percent chance of coming back and winning the series. Um, that's not to say you can't do it, but it's hard to do. And now they're two one, and so. In the yeah. conference finals in NHL history, the team that goes up 2-0 wins has won 91 out of 98 series in history. Okay, well that's even that's even Which a higher percentage for the conference final. Yeah, for the conference yeah. final, 93%. Yeah. Uh, in the so, NHL, anytime a team goes up 3-0, only four times have they ever lost in in the NHL, mm-hmm. not conference finals, I mean in, in the history of the NHL seven game series. Gotcha. So getting well, it to 2-1 is huge. Phenomenal. Yeah, it's a big deal and obviously they can tie it all up and then then the pressure obviously goes back on New York, and we you you correctly talked about the fatigue factor, and you know um, they're awfully good in that building in Madison Square Garden, but the Lightning have been good here. I think uh, that's now in the playoffs this year, two and six on the road for New York, if I'm not mistaken. So um, they've had their struggles, but they they've been almost perfect at home or perfect at home uh, in these playoffs. So at some point, the Lightning are going to have to go up there and win one if they're going to win the series, but. Um, this, I'll be honest with you, man, down 2-0 in the series, down 2-0 in this game, uh, for them to come back and win it the way they did, I, I thought this was going to be it. I thought this is how the dynasty ends. This is how, um, you know, the, the crown is taken off the King's head, all those things. And then, and then lightning strikes, if you will, they, they just find their way. But I think more than that, they found their game. I think they have found the what they have to do um to win against the New York Rangers and you know getting pucks on the net making it tough for Igor making it um you know they were sitting back a little bit too much in the first two games um trying to commit to defense but sitting back and not forcing the action now they are and if they continue to do this um this could be it could be a you know six seven game series which i think most people would have thought was going to occur you know, when this series began, it was going to be a long series, and now they have a chance of doing that. Of course, you know, New York can seize it all back with a win 
on Tuesday and be heading back to New York to close it out. But um, it, it was do or die. You, you're not going to come back down 3-0 as you just laid out the stats. And so, you know, for, for Stamkos to have a big goal, for Kucherov to have such a big night, and for Vasilevsky to play as well as he did, uh, that's a confidence builder for him too. You know, he needed a game like that. He needed to be Andre Vasilevsky again. He had, he, you know, it hasn't been his fault. They've given up a lot of odd man rushes. They still gave up Sun, you know, on Sunday, but much, much better performance all the way around. And if you're New York, you're okay. You just want you want to do what the Lightning tried to do. You want to win mm-hmm. one of these two games at home. If you do, uh, you're up three one, and you feel really, really good about yourself winning the series. Um, but a little bit of doubt finally um, can creep into their minds because they hadn't lost to the Lightning this year, and now they have. Um, and they lost in dramatic fashion. And so um, they don't have anything to be ashamed of. I thought they played a pretty good game, um, but it didn't go their way. And and mm-hmm. and so now they're gonna have to they're gonna have to fight. You know, it just it just shows the champions' resolve, man. It's not easy. These guys have heart like no other, and and they've been together as a core. You know, I was listening to Pat Maroon talk about it, and the guys after the game, and it's just like, you know, this group doesn't have to say anything after after two periods down a couple goals. Um, they kind of understood where they were. They felt good about five on five. It's like let's stay out of the box. Then they got a penalty, uh, a power play for themselves, and and that kind of got them back in it. So. You know they're not going to panic. They 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 pretty confident bunch after what they've accomplished the last two years. So you're going to have to knock out the champion, and and I think they proved that this won't be easy for the Rangers. Well, and I, I think that, you know a telling stat in tonight's game. If you look at shots in the third period, which the Lightning got a power play early, they scored on it a minute twenty two right. in. But That's they, right. they all shot them nineteen to six in the third period. Yeah, and it yeah. mostly tie game. Right. You know, it was the lightning pushing play. It was the lightning in on the four check. It was the lightning generating offense. And they did that all night. I mean, they outplayed the Rangers five on five all night. Shashurkin was fantastic. He was great. And and, and the Rangers had a few shorthanded rushes, mm-hmm. a couple dangerous opportunities. But overall, it wasn't a dangerous night for Vasilevsky. I mean, you know, a couple chances here and there. First period, he made yeah. a couple of, yes, of, of yes. outstanding saves. Um, and and uh, I think Goudreau shot it, and I forget who rebounded. But, um, you know, point blank, a couple of great saves that kept him in it. Um, but you're right. Uh, they forced the action rather than put their goaltender um, up against a barrage of shots. And, and they're still turning the puck over probably more than they'd like to for their liking. And Kucherov had a couple of those again. And and the Rangers had some great A chances off those turnovers, but um, and a couple times they struggled to get it out of their zone, and they ended up with some shots on goal and things like that. But just much better overall, um, and kind of accomplished. Played the way they wanted to play, and again, where they were aggressive. You know, in these first two games, they looked slow. They looked like they were a step slow. They were chasing things. They were um, not forcing the action. And on Sunday, they had their legs about them again. And maybe it just took them. You know, after that layoff, a little bit of time, but but more than that, I think it was they just got aggressive. They got really aggressive and and started throwing pucks on net, uh, and that's the way they're going to have to play now. And if they play that way, it's going to be who gets the penalties, who kills the penalties, who can who can score on a power play, who can stay out of the box, all those little things that that you know mm-hmm. that good teams take advantage of. That's what's going to happen in this series, but. I thought the twelve six um, alignment tonight helped them too. They they it did put Riley Nash in, set Cal Foot for the game. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think it allowed them to just settle the lines down, mm-hmm. like the lines were the lines. 
Right. And so when they put the guys out there, they went out with their line, and he had a lot of consistency in the night. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that may have led to some of the just the relentless forecheck that they had throughout the game. Sure. That it, you know, it, your line mates were consistent. It was the same guys every shift out there pretty much. Sure. And, and all the lines seemed to be really successful. Like I said, particularly the Sorelli line I thought was fantastic. Yeah. But, but you know, Cooch, Stamkos, Palat were great. And, uh, you know, the the bus line, of course. And then, you know, I just uh, – Nick Paul, I, I see he still stood out completely. I mean, in yeah. the penalty kills, but even five-on-five five play. He's just – he is hard on that puck, man. Oh, if he beast. gets that puck behind the net, and they'll come and try to check him, and you can't get the puck away. You're from not him. getting it. Nope. I mean, he is nope. he is just he he's unlike any center that the Lightning really have. Because mm-hmm. I mean, their centers are tend to be smaller type figures. Fast. Oh, this guy's this you know, guy's big. Point yeah. Sorelli. I mean, you think centers like that, and and then you mm-hmm. get Nick Paul. It's just so different on this team, and it's in a, I mean, different in a good way. Right. And and it just you know it's part of that. You need different types of players throughout your lineup. You can't just have a bunch of the same type of guys. And Nick right. Paul fits so beautifully on this team. Yeah, big body man. He just uh, he's been a force. Speaking of Braden Point, um, we still haven't seen him in this series. There still must be an opportunity, though. The longer the series goes, uh, unless unless they're waiting, you know, unless he's not going to be cleared until the until the finals. Um, the longer the series goes, the more chances there are we might see Braden Point, I think. He's been skating for a couple of days anyway. So, yeah, he started skating in New York. Um, you know, he's, he hasn't skated with the team yet as far right. as a full practice. He skated That's the, the next step. He right, skated, yeah. you know, after practice, skated with the, the Black Aces. Um, uh, you know, so it's, I guess, you know what, it's been three weeks now since he got hurt. Yeah. You know what the we don't know what the injury is. I mean, we it's something lower body. We're pretty lower sure, body. but yeah. You know, is it a groin? Is it the hip? Is it you know? We don't know. Sure. So you know, skating's good, but he hasn't skated with the team yet. So until he skates with the team in a full practice, yeah, you really can't get too excited. He's back now. Obviously, the longer they play, the better chance he has to come back. And if they can make the next round, there's probably a really good chance he can come back. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. Like I said, until you skate with the team and you get a practice in, you know, temper those expectations. As, you know, Cooper said, look, we're not looking for him to miraculously come in in game three and, and play. And he didn't. You know, could he be available for game four or five or six if it can get that far? We'll see. I mean, the more he's skating, the better that is. We'll you just have to see. But like I said, until they put him with the full team and, and – you're run, making line rushes with the team in practice, you know, it's he's still not ready to come back yet. Yeah. Well, we'll see if they can extend this series even further, a chance to get to get it even, get it to 2-2 two, two, um, on Tuesday at Emily Arena should be uh, – and the crowd was electric. I mean, I, I was not at the game, but even watching it on TV, it seemed like an unbelievable atmosphere, as you would expect there at Emily. And, um, you know, just, just a really good hockey game. I mean, I, I you know – the ebbs and flows of, of of playoff hockey are great anyway, but this was this was the most entertaining of the games because it was close, um, and the Lightning played their best game, and and it was just you know to see a team come back with everything on the, on the line the way it was down two zero in the series two zero in the game and then come back and win, uh, it was exciting if you're a Lightning fan for sure. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Sure. So we'll see how they do. Meanwhile, across the bay, the Tampa Bay Rays did not fare quite as well against the Chicago White Sox. Ryan Yarbrough. Uh, woof. Oh, man. You know, I rarely do this. I, I have the ability to watch a couple TVs uh, at the same time, and I had the Rays on early because they started, obviously, before the, the uh, hockey game. But I watched Ryan Yarbrough get roughed up uh, for about six runs uh, with one out in the second, and I, I turned it off. I just was like, I'm not watching this anymore. Um, you know, the White Sox uh, hit doubles all over the ballpark, it seemed, and, and Yarbrough... Um, struggled to, to put it mildly he got behind hitters and then when he had to come in there and that's the thing about Yarbrough if Yarbs doesn't have his control if he's not hitting corners if he's not getting the angles and staying ahead of hitters um, when he has to come over the plate they're going to hit him and they hit him hard and you know credit the Rays they they stayed in it they tried to rally Mike Zanino hit a two run uh, two out home run and they they scored four times in the sixth inning uh, but then you know the Sox bullpen held them. It was 6-5 is the final for Tampa Bay. Lose two or three, uh, that's disappointing. And you blew the game. Was it Saturday yeah. that your bullpen gave it up? Yeah, 2-1 to one lead, and you lose 3-2 to two in that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was Jalen Beeks, I think, uh, you know, giving up the uh, – That one was disappointing. Home. I mean, you know, okay, Yarbs had a rough start. Okay. It's going to happen. Couldn't come yeah. back. But, but the mm-hmm. one that your bullpen, which has carried you, right. gave that up. And it's going to happen throughout the year. It's not, the bullpen's not perfect. Yeah, but that's the one you needed to take so that you could at least win two or three in the series, right? And they had their chances. I mean, look, they got they scored five runs on on Sunday, but that's really the story has been. This is a with the number of guys out, including Wander Franco and you know uh, Brandon Lau and all these guys. They they're not scoring any, enough runs. They're not scoring enough runs. Their pitching has as they. I think I saw a stat. They were talking about it during the game. Uh, Brian Anderson and others about how well they have pitched this month and their record is rather pedestrian versus how well they have pitched. I mean, they pit, they should be, you know, five or six more wins this month. Well, the offense has struggled, but the offense is just not scoring runs. And, you know, that's been, that's really been the difference. And, you know, obviously when you get behind, you know, six runs, it's hard to come back sometimes in a situation like that, even though it's, you know, they scored most of those early, but, you know, with the amount of injuries they have, um, you know, and Randy Rosarina is doing what he can. I mean, he's you know he had a triple in the game, and and you know they but they've got to get some guys healthy. Uh, it's the only way they're gonna you know pick up the offense. The pitching has actually been very good, not just good, but very good. Yarbs notwithstanding, he's obviously the the weaker link of the of the guys that are running out there to start games. Um, but until until really until Sunday, he'd been pitching fairly well. Um, you know, throughout mm-hmm. throughout the season, he's had some ups and downs, but. Um, yeah, it was just it just wasn't their day, and so they dropped those two out of three. So that that wasn't good. Meanwhile, the Bucks are going to have their mandatory mini camp. We are finally, finally, we think, going to see Tom Brady 
back in a Buccaneer practice with his full squad, not just uh, you know, not just phase two of the offseason workouts. He didn't go to OTAs. He had the match out there in Las Vegas last week. Now he's actually going to come in and play quarterback, <laughs> and he's gonna he's gonna be back officially back. Um, and maybe we'll get to talk to him. Who knows? He's had a couple interviews. You know, they they did a roundtable at the match, and and we've seen him you know, on, on other mediums or platforms, but, but he really hasn't, uh, answered a lot of questions about the whole process. You know, we're still kind of, uh, I know, I know after the match they had that, then that round table, he said, well, you know, I was always kind of like, you know, 55, 45 that I would play. Um, but then once you decide to play, you got to be all in your hundred percent after that. This has been a long off season and a very even by his standards a very busy off season. And I think we saw some of the things that he has wanted to get to, the launch of his Brady line, um you know, finishing up uh, Man in the Arena with the final episodes uh, about winning, you know, Super Bowl 55. You know, he had the movie that he shot 80 for Brady with uh, Jane Fonda and Rita Moreno and all these people. Um he also had uh what of course the NFL uh, broadcasting job with um, with Fox came about three hundred seventy five million dollars for ten years that took people aback. Whenever he retires, that deal is waiting for him. He yeah, got he's going to give back. He's giving back. He's giving back. <laughs> That's right. Aaron Rodgers' greatest line: <laughs> "Give back by making that much money." But um, but yeah, and then you know, it's just kind of rolled on that way. A Netflix series, Groat, greatest roast of all time, which he will be the first one uh, that they roast. And, you know, it, there's just, it, it's been a wild off season, not to mention that his head coach retired after he unretired shortly, very shortly afterwards. He's got a new head coach in Todd Bowles. Supposedly they see more eye to eye. Uh, these are all things we'd love to talk to Tom Brady about. And hopefully we'll get the chance. You know, hopefully. During this three-day minicamp, he'll actually sit down, or not sit down, he'll stand up, but he'll, maybe he'll sit down, actually, it depends. Uh, we now have a podium inside the building, so there's no need to sit. But maybe he'll come in and talk to us and, and discuss some of the questions that people still have about, you know, the process he he went through to decide whether to play or not, because he took it to the eve of free agency, which he absolutely uh, had to get his guys back if he's going to make a run at it. And the fact that he doesn't have a contract beyond this year in Tampa Bay doesn't mean he won't play. Uh, but he'll be 45 in August, so uh, a lot to discuss there. So hopefully we'll get a chance to do that with Tom Brady as well as there's a number of players we can get into this a little later. So uh, I do need week. to correct one thing you said, though. What's up? You said he's going to be at practice with his full squad, minus one. Minus one, but but he's not signed, and that's Rob well, Gronkowski. He, he will yeah. be on the squad. Correct. We think. Well, we think. Yeah, um, I wrote a, a story yeah, in the Tampa Bay Times just about where that is. They, they, they do not have any anticipation that he will sign uh, prior to the mandatory minicamp. Why would he? Uh, you know, This is not something that I think that Gronkowski feels like he needs to be at, but if he was under contract, he would. It would be required of him. Certainly him and Tom have enough uh, chemistry together after all these years, and, they, and they've thrown together, we think, um, when they were out there taking batting practice, uh, probably prior to that, uh, at the Yankees complex a couple of weeks ago. So they've worked out, um, but he's not under contract, so he can't come in. And that probably suits him just fine because I think what the Bucks are expecting, and I've talked to, to people over there, is they think he'll sign sometime right before training camp, which is late July, okay, when you report. Uh, they go to 
start practicing, you know, uh, at the very end of July, early August. And that's really all he needs to do if he's going to do it at all. And look, um, I still think that there's a chance. I don't know how great it is. It seems like he's going to play. I don't know why you'd be out there shagging fly balls unless you just wanted to, you know, find your baseball med or do something. But like, I, I really do think that he's going to play, and he's, I think he's only going to play in Tampa. Brady's very persuasive. But for whatever reason, and maybe it's because he doesn't want to do these off-season things, he doesn't want to come to minicamp. Maybe it's salary cap related, although the Bucks have enough, enough money to, to re-sign him. Maybe it's contract related. I brought this up too. You know, um, Gronk played for nine million dollars, I think, or so the first year. He played for like eight, eight and a half last year. Made a million dollars in bonuses. Um, so he's been around that nine, nine million, nine, ten million dollar range. He's going to count five million against the cap regardless this year because of a deferred signing bonus uh, that they, you know, pushed onto future years, voidable years, if you will. So rather, whether he plays or not. They still got a bill for him a little bit. But if you look at the salaries of tight ends around this league, I mean, like George Kittle's, you know, there, there's been some guys do extension. He's making $14 million, you know, $15 million. And so even though he's, what, 32, 33 years old, Gronkowski still is a very productive player. And I don't think it's about the money, but he could ask for more money. and He, he probably deserves it. You know, he probably deserves – more than $9 million if, if guys like, you know, Kittle and Kelsey and those guys are making upwards of $14 million. So I think the Bucks will pay what, what they think they need to pay to get them back. Um, and I think they have room to do that. But, you know, that could also be part of the equation, even though, you know, he's made, I don't know, some set, over $71 million in his career. And, and from what I'm told, he hasn't spent any of it. He lives a lot off of the endorsement opportunities and things that he does off the field so the summer of Gronk is continuing and rightfully so uh but we'll you know we'll be able to ask about that as well with Todd Bowles and what they hear and why he's in there and they think he's going to resign but they're trying to give him his space and he you know why not but Brady will be back out there and he'll get a chance to uh you know to work with some of these young players that they've they've brought up you know brought on board guys they've drafted like Rashad White uh, we'll be out there, uh, some of the tight ends, Co'Keefe and others. Um, obviously, it's a full squad situation. It's mandatory. So uh, all the 90 players or so who you know that are, that are signed or, or even unsigned in case of the draft picks will be there. So it's going to be – it's the end. You know, what's funny is, is that even though we're into the 2022 season or off season, I should say, training camp happening late July, early August – for us, for everybody else that's part of this, including the Bucks and the front office and their coaches, these coaches have been at it for a while. Like we start with them, and they start in July for real. After the Fourth of July, sometime uh, a week or two after that, and and they go all the way through the fall, all the way you know, obviously to uh, to winter. Um, sometimes into February, if you get to the Super Bowl. Um, in this case, the Bucks lost the NFC divisional playoff game in late January. But um, then free agency starts right away. Then you have the draft. Then you have mini camps. Then you have OTA. So really, this is just the end of a long cycle that began last July. Uh, and then there'll be about a month or five or so weeks off that we can all kind of you know exhale, including coaches, and then kind of get away from this. Um, but it's been a very busy off season for Brady anxious to talk to him about 
all that he's done and how prepared he thinks he's going to be and all that sort of stuff. So look forward to that um, coming up later this week, uh, really Tuesday through Thursday. And about Thursday at 8 p.m., Steve, I'm going to be a happy camper. <laughs> be like, wow, this has been quite a run, man, for sure. All right, we'll talk a lot about the Bucks uh, minicamp coming up uh, on tomorrow's podcast. Get your mailbag questions in. I'm sure we'll do that later this week at some time. We got some already. You can do that by sending them to us on Twitter at SportsDayTV. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud. My email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. 